Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good football show, week four waiver wire pod. I am Pat Corain. I am joined by John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. Daigle, how's it going? Everything is good. Now looking into week four, unlike last week, which was like get your ducks in a row week. This is more of a you can afford to get cute week. Lots of flyers you can add to the back end of your roster in both shallow and deep league. So looking forward to talking about some of these individuals. Yeah, we'll get to one that uh, I feel like is the ultimate you can afford to get cute here in a, in a minute. But let's start with the big guy. If he's available in your leagues, this is where I don't think you want to get cute. If Chuba Hubbard is available and you have the chance to add him, are you aggressively going after him, Daigle? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hubbard out-snapped Royce Freeman 40-11 to last Thursday, out-carrying him 10-5 to over the last three quarters, and out-touched him as a whole 14-6 to with 20 routes to Freeman 6 over those last 45 minutes. But what we knew following Friday's news, because this news came out Friday, is that the team is foregoing putting McCaffrey on IR, which tells us they're at least targeting his return three weeks from now. So miss two games, come back on the third. At least that's what they're hoping for right now. So with Hubbard, you have to assume you're bidding on a two-week starter and bench spot afterwards, which makes it a little more complicated. Also, I would like to hear your thoughts on Royce Freeman because he's going to be a target in deeper leagues. But for me, it seems like more he's a, a Jake Funk type player that you're really picking up and hoping hits if something happens ahead of him which again there's nothing wrong with that we do that all the time strategically the only issue is now you're probably building more than you want to for that perceived role i completely agree with you i I think that freeman is not going to be very usable we saw enough from them last week to you know if you kind of extrapolate that it would work out to about 80 percent of the snaps a little less for hubbard well that's exactly what cmc was seeing now it won't be the exact same role for hubbard but I think it could be a similar role for Freeman that Hubbard had where he's really just mixing in and he's basically just contingent value. I think the thing with Freeman to remember is that, you know, in some of these high stakes leagues like the FFPC, you can pick up a guy before the Thursday game and then drop him if you don't start him. And so in one league, we actually do have Freeman using that move, getting him for a dollar. That's the way to add these types of guys. And I would say, you know, rather than chasing... Freeman, who's probably just a two-week player as well, and who knows what you're even going to get over those two weeks, kind of do the look ahead and try to find the next version of Freeman, and maybe there's more long-term value with that guy. So I wouldn't really be chasing Freeman myself. With Hubbard, like you mentioned, that he's probably just a two-week guy. 
At the same time, he does have strong contingent value for the rest of the season, so he probably is worth having on your roster. What kind of percentage are you looking to spend on him? In the waiver wire columns the past three weeks, I have the contingency top 10 that I keep around. Literally every week I re-rank them according to roles and usage and personnel that I see and rest of season schedule. And Hubbard has not been removed from number one overall in three weeks of the column. That's why he's there. So we could be ahead of this. So hopefully you got him early, but if not, now you're looking at genuinely having to spend what I would think is 50 to 60% of your remaining fab. Again, a two-week starter, so we don't want to go overboard here. Even we can look to Elijah Mitchell. He had 38 touches in two games, was not giving up that role had he not gotten injured. And after watching Trey Sermon run, uh, may just come right back in that same role. So still have faith in a guy like that because he can always be a starter. But with a talent like McCaffrey, Hubbard's not overthrowing him anytime soon. Also recall whenever they, the same coaching staff, across the board whenever they brought McCaffrey back from injury last year they ran him out in that Chiefs game in Arrowhead on the road uh he missed six games I believe it was and they still gave him double digit targets and a majority of the team's carries until he got injured in the fourth quarter I would expect that same situation to happen again so assuming two weeks I'm going to say 50 60 percent and if that does not get you him if you're comfortable letting him go and finding somewhere else to go yeah I agree with that I might even be on the light side of that just because that's fair you're going to end up with a guy who's basically handcuffed most of the year. So you got to, you know, if you don't need these two starts, you know, it's like, hey, if you're 0 and 3, you don't take the fab with you, you got to win, then sure. But if you're in a better position than in these these next 2 weeks, you, you feel pretty good about your running back too, then I think it'd be probably fine to go a bit lighter than that. Let's get into some some other guys here before we do you can get an edge on your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you're eyeing on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus, and you can do it at a discount by using the code GOOD10 to get 10% off your annual subscription. Daigle, who are some other guys that we should be looking for, especially if Hubbard is not available? With James White now, we don't have an official timeline, but hip subluxation. I think that's how you pronounce it, the same injury that Ryan Fitzpatrick had. Maybe we should be eyeing White missing the rest of the year. But what we do know is that he's averaged 10.5 touches and a 19% target share. So clearly a lot of opportunity for someone to soak up behind him. The only issue is if it becomes multiple people rather than someone, then it's probably a useless endeavor to chase. And what we're trying to siphon through what's happened thus far you just look to sunday and without james white backfield snaps were brandon bolding leading with 29 brandon bolden the special teams player mind you damian harris with 22 and jj taylor with 10 while ramondre the fumbler stevenson was inactive and it was bolden who actually led the team and routes run which we would assume if taylor was active in a situation without white like sunday it would be his role. And so given that they'll also likely add Stevenson into this log jam, it's just a really tough situation that I think you should take light fab chances on. But then again, it's really hard to sort out. So I'm curious to hear your opinion on it. I think, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's a muddled situation in a muddled situation. I genuinely generally want to bet on the guy where I believe in the talent and what we saw from Stevenson in the preseason was very impressive and he also had a pretty nice prospect pr- uh, profile as a bigger back who has some elusiveness and has some receiving ability which could come in real really really handy here i'm thinking you know you want to keep things very light in terms of the bids with stevenson but he is the guy that i would be targeting 
You're hoping that now that the situation, the need has arisen for another Patriots running back to get some playing time, maybe Belichick's over the fumble and he's going to give this guy a chance. The fact that Brandon Bolden, career special teamer, not a dynamic player, Mm -hmm. was getting those routes and snaps with Stevenson a healthy scratch last week, I think is a little bit bullish in the sense that they're not leaning on Taylor, who I think would be a more likely person to have that role long term if White is out a long way. So I would still lean Stevenson, but you want to be in a position where if it's not Stevenson next week, you can move on again. So get in there, take a peek, and you can get back out. Totally fair. And I also think the fake, the correct assumption, just like last year, whenever both Sony Michelle and James White were out, uh, that role, the pass-catching role, will not be handed to Damian Harris, which is kind of what we figure in Harris's role anyways. We needed positive game scripts for a team that is good. And uh, we are concerned about that last category for this offense so far. Yeah, that's true. Although there there might be a fair amount of checkdowns, so uh, you know yeah. that role. James White was actually had a pretty valuable role. So if someone's going to have this role, but it might be split up too. That's the other thing. You know, it could be that Stevenson's getting a little bit of the role, Taylor's getting a little bit Holy. of the role, Bolden's getting a little bit of the role, and that's not going to be any good. Uh, who else? Who else comes to mind for you, Dave? Let's get the Josh Gordon conversation out of the way. Uh, and I actually want to start with you. Because you're a reasonable individual, and I just wanted to not talk about him and not waste a roster spot altogether. But you wanted to sell me on him. And I know it's because you play deeper high-stakes leagues like I do as well. But even in those, I'm probably skipping him. I think just for a player like Josh Gordon, the opportunity was Saturday since the Friday news dump was he's getting reinstated. So you pick him up then for a dollar. Now that time has passed. He signs with Kansas City's practice squad. Now you actually have to have consequences in your decisions and spend probably actual fab on him to win him. And that's why I'm just sort of out. So I would like you to sell him to me. Well, I would sell him to you very lightly in the, the way of, you know, you want to pick him up the way we've been picking up guys off the waiver wire, like, you know, Deami Brown, like a Tim Patrick, like a KJ sure. Hamler. You, you don't want to spend a ton of your budget. I would say around 5% of your budget would be the max. Um, and you're looking, you know, to keep things in check. Uh, but... You know, we were drafting sometimes Demarcus Robinson. I actually am in a league with Davis Maddock. This won't surprise you. We we have <laughs> Demarcus Robinson on our team because yeah. he picked him up last week for a dollar. So if you're picking up Demarcus Robinson last week, you would probably – it would make a lot of sense to pick up Josh Gordon, I think, because what we saw last week was, you know, this team really could use another weapon outside of Kelsey and Tyreek Hill down the field. So there's a role here. Who knows what he's got left, but I wouldn't be shocked if he emerged as, you know, a fairly usable bi-week fill-in guy. And if you can get that for very cheap, again, 5% or less, I think that's worth at least taking a stab on. I would be shocked if he filled in as a bi-week guy. Absolutely, utterly shocked. Last time we saw him, obviously cut from New England. This is two years ago. Uh, after six starts and then averaged two targets per game with Seattle and 40% of their offensive snaps and five appearances. In a situation I actually consider better than Kansas City's because at least he only had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to fight for targets, and he failed to do so. Whereas Kansas City, like even Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman, CEH for whatever you want to give him, like there's actually more NFL viable talent in this roster. And I don't think like it's a significant downgrade from Patrick Mahomes to Russell Wilson. So... I just, man, you said 5%. I think like five bucks of a 
of a okay. thousand that, fans. That's probably more fair. I mean, I, you know, I had Josh Gordon on a team when he broke out. Like, you know, I'm watching I, these so, Cleveland cutups going, oh yeah, he's back. So this is what it comes down to. It's it's really like anyone watching or listening should just say like, who cares what these nerds think? Let's just have some fun since it's my fantasy football team. You know, like when people picked up Le'Veon Bell, and I said then, obviously you're not picking up Le'Veon Bell. What a waste of a roster spot, and it's true a month into it. And so I think Josh Gordon is legitimately the same concept, but if you want to have fun, it's your team. I say go for it because life is short. Just live your 80 years, pick up Josh Gordon, and die, and live a happy life. He had a 2.15 yards per route run in 2018. Now, was that three years ago? Yeah. But that's still pretty good. <laughs> and he was down to 1.4 or something the following year. So like Justin know, maybe Fields- he's got a little left. Like Justin Fields' situation, uh, I am hoping for the best, but it seems absolutely yeah. awful and something I don't want to be a part of. That's that's fair. I'll be I'll be putting in bids around uh, the twenty the twenty dollar out of a thousand, around the two percent range. Totally that's... fair. I'm actually shocked you didn't get on in on him honestly uh, on Saturday on the late night run. That's, that seems like uh, something you would be all over. You know, I gotta talk to Davis because he, he picked <laughs> up Demarcus Robinson, and then we could have had Josh Gordon. So yeah, that's um, unfortunate. <laughs> A more uh, reasonable situation, though, I believe for yes. everyone, let's say like to, to Yahoo leagues, these deeper guys, we now have this odd pick your poison trio because you probably have to rank them. I will have them ranked in the column, but I also want to get your opinion on them because one, we have Sammy Watkins, who has at least seven targets plus a 22% target share in every game for the Ravens thus far, who are actually averaging with Lamar Jackson a league high in air yards per attempt. So a downfield attacking scheme all of a sudden that Watkins thrives in. But we also have Rashad Bateman coming back. The other one, among the other two, are Emmanuel Sanders, 10th among all wide receivers in air yards, and tied with Diggs for the team lead with three end zone targets. And then, of course, A.J. Green, just 11 fewer routes than DeAndre Hopkins for the team lead, though he's only turned his team-high 18 targets into 10 catches because he's A.J. Green. So, like, if you had to rank these options, let's say you play in a shallower league, Pat, because this is a situation a lot of people are going to be into, you could even include Rashad Bateman if you want to in thinner Yahoo leagues, shallower benches. Like, how do you rank those four? Uh, I would say Sanders is one. I agree. This is a, he's clearly the number two outside guy because um, Cole Beasley kind of gets in there, makes the conversation harder. But on the outside, there's no question now that it's Emmanuel Sanders. Allen is looking for him. He's, you know, he found him twice in the end zone last week. The Bills are going to pass a ton. We want their number two wide receiver, and Sanders has looked pretty solid. So I think definitely Sanders won. Then I would probably say. I mean, if you're going to let me say Bateman, I would say Bateman. This okay. team desperately needs a number one wide receiver. They're going to Marquise Brownies dropping everything. They're involving Sammy okay. Watkins it a was, bunch. It was one game of three drops. Calm oh, down. Come on. Yeah, it was so bad, Diggle. The guy, the guy runs himself open with ease, and everyone's like, oh, he sucks. <laughs> he's like, he's beating safeties and quarters. Whatever. Go ahead. Drops, don't, drops don't matter until they do. And that, I'm and sorry. They, they really did yesterday. No, you're right. You're right. Marquise Brown can get open. That's a that's a really important skill. But we could have a lot of opportunity for Bateman, partly because there's been a lot of opportunity for Sammy Watkins. You know, I don't really have that high of an opinion of Sammy Watkins at this point. So if Bateman can siphon off some of that and then grow into the role over time, that's very exciting to me. Baltimore, last week, they passed 6% over expected. That's not the Baltimore we're used to. I think we could see... Obviously, they're going to be run heavy throughout the entire season, but maybe we get some more of these spikes where they're unexpectedly pass heavy. That would be good for both Watkins and Bateman. I would have Watkins, you know, I think Watkins and Bateman is pretty close. I would have both of them ahead of A.J. Green. 
I know AJ Green's had a nice stretch here, but he was awful last season. And he's got Rondale Moore there. He's got Christian Kirk there. DeAndre Hopkins has been quiet. Christian Kirk has had a great season so far. Rondale yeah. Moore has looked electric when on the field. DeAndre Hopkins isn't going anywhere. So how is AJ Green supposed to keep up once, you know, I think eventually Rondale Moore starts to get on the field more? I I just have a hard time seeing his role stay as, you know, as route heavy as it's been. I agree. I have Sanders, given everything we both said at the top, that's how I'll rank them. Let's say you have just one spot at the end of your bench. Sanders and then Watkins and then Bateman and then Green for me. The only issue with Bateman, honestly, I still question his role in this offense, but also like he has to get up to speed in time to be mm -hmm. usable. And um, he's not really like a player I'm betting on. Like at least Jeff Wilson, they've already given us the timeline. And so like at a running back position, we know we can stash him and get him back in this two to three week range. Whereas Bateman, I think we're still like highly up in the air right now. If you told me he's playing next week, and even though we wouldn't start him next week, and I'm talking about week five, then, then I'd probably take more of a risk on him. I just question the length of his absence. Yeah, what do you need on your roster? Because if you need someone that you can start the next few weeks, then you should be picking up Sammy Watkins or even A.J. Green over Bateman. If you're looking for someone that can break into a guy that you are confidently starting in the middle and end of the season, and you, you're in a position where your team can handle that and you have the roster spot to kind of designate to that type of guy, then it's Bateman for me, hands down, over... I would still take Sanders first, but over the other two guys. If it's an option as well, because we have some in the chat mentioning it, I actually would keep Elijah Moore over Bateman, assuming Moore's clear from concussion protocol and it's not a serious injury, because like now is when the schedule for the Jets opened up. Um, they could be just as bad, averaging less than seven points a game. Very well could happen, but also they had literally the league's toughest schedule through three weeks. We knew this was going to happen. And so now this week against the Titans, we get to see like if they're going to bring anything to the table whatsoever. I'm actually excited for that game because it's truly going to tell us what to do with our, all of our Jets players moving forward. Yeah, the Jets schedule would have to open up to like college teams and before me to get excited. I mean, the Titans awful. might as well be, except with like the, <laughs> one of the best players in the NFL at running back. Other than that, there are just a bunch of college guys. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into our deep cuts here. Before we do, the NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night Seven Predict. What will happen on Sunday Night Football for a chance? to win up to $1,000 every week. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit the NBCSports.com slash predictor. John, who, who are the deep cuts, the guys in deeper leagues that you're eyeing this week? As always, hold a finger up or something if you want to stop me and add a note as well or add yours at the end. But let's start with Colin Johnson, who accrued a team I seven targets without Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton available for a majority of play this week, as well as Kenny Galladay limping around in the field throughout play. And although Kadarius Toney led the team in routes run, we know his draft capital is not a good argument since Dave Gettleman and Urban Meyer draft capital is not the same and cannot be compared to other teams' first-round draft capital. So we're going to bet on a talented prospect like Colin Johnson over Kadarius Tony moving forward. Also, moving on, this one actually came up out of nowhere because Dawson Knox target share has progress pro mm -hmm. progressively increased in three games, but also more importantly, his route run rate has grown all the way from 45% in week one to 81% of Josh Allen's dropbacks this past week. And again, we always just try to hunt down tight end premium league options for deeper leagues in this section. And Knox is actually uh, becoming a viable weekly option. Dan Arnold, 
the trade that just happened this past week, who averaged nearly four targets per game with Carolina, now to Jacksonville, which fed James O'Shaughnessy as their pass-catching option, eight targets in week one, and our best friend, Jacob Hollister, for six targets in week three. But the move is interesting because it simultaneously helps Dan Arnold in that role immediately, as well as stud athlete Tommy Trimble, last year's best run-blocking tight end at Notre Dame and in the nation, who I'm guessing only totaled 53 career targets as a superb athlete because he played, at least last year, behind Michael Mayer, the next Travis Kelsey. So if he gets involved in the past game they showed on Thursday night, they're now thinking of uh, unique, intriguing ways to get him involved on offense. If he takes Arnold's role, I think that's something that maybe we should probably add at the end of our rosters. Uh, the trade also provides a little extra juice and faith into Terrace Marshall's target share, since maybe he's just on the field more, and they just continue running out Ian Thomas for routes that don't matter. The Titans are on the road for the next two weeks against the Jets and Jaguars, then return at home against the Bills on Monday night. So it at least makes sense on paper for them to hold A.J. Brown out with that week-to-week hamstring injury for the next two games and then use that extended 24-hour rest to bring him back in week six, making Nick Westbrook the player to add since he led the team's receivers and snaps and route run in place of Brown on Sunday. So I think like among the the deep league receivers, even Josh Gordon, I prefer Nick Westbrook right now. Yeah, and Julio Jones was was held out for a yeah. fair amount of that game. It seems like they're just managed, load managing him. It was very odd. Who knows? They had a big lead, uh, and they, just like us, they saw Carson Wentz play on no ankles, <laughs> so they weren't yeah. too worried about it. That's probably fair. The guy, Dawson Knox, like I think I'm very much the philosophy of tight end is a gross position for fantasy. And when we see something interesting, we should chase it because it's always pretty cheap to chase. So just be kind of nimble. Like I was, I was pretty excited about James O'Shaughnessy, and you know, it's like, hey, now he's to IR. Let's move on to the next guy, Dawson Knox. That eighty percent route run that you mentioned, that's pretty uncommon. You know, a lot of tight ends, even that we're interested in, might be running routes on like 75 percent of routes. If you're up eighty plus, that's pretty great. You know. The, I think a big reason why Logan Thomas broke out last year is just because he was running 90% plus of routes, and that's so rare. So when you get that kind of routes run, it's it's really, really nice. And, you know, he looked pretty good last week, mm-hmm. uh, gets in the end zone. So, you know, you don't want to go crazy. You want to always keep these tight end dart throws cheap. But I like uh, I like churning there, trying to find the next tight end breakout because they don't always come from where you expect. Some people in the chat have been mentioning Curtis Samuel. Just wanted to get your thoughts uh, before we wrap up on him in case he was dropped in any leagues, you know, after going to IR. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I would probably take him over Bateman. Apologies. Uh, I would take him over. Well, would I take him over Josh Gordon? I would take him over Josh Gordon. But I would rather have the the geezers in Walken, Sanders, and Green over him just for their known roles. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll also say I've been I've talked a bit about Deami Brown on here. It looked like towards the end of the game there that they were going with Cam Sims uh, instead mm-hmm. of Brown, and now we have Samuel. They're going to be back soon, so you can churn out Brown. I think. I think it's it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So that's a cut that is is okay to make. Any other cuts, John, that you want to uh, that you want to talk about? None right now, honestly, just because uh, lots of injuries to deal with. Like, obviously, I'd be fine cutting James White because I, I believe he's going to be eventually ruled out for the year. But nothing special just yet. Tune into the column for that because there are some, like, 54 to 58% rostered individuals that I wouldn't mind dropping. Allen Robinson is not one of them. <laughs> that, that's a question here in the chat. No, we are not dropping Allen Robinson just yet. 
Uh, I believe Matt Nagy is studying up on the concept of a zone read. And, uh, uh, I, I don't even know if he's doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I'm being hopeful. Yeah, but I think, uh, no, we obviously stick with Allen Robinson. Uh, any other any other things to mention here before we go, Don? That should be about it. Column should be up early in the morning. Don't expect a lot of running back additions. It's just not the week to spend money there. But again, you can afford to get cute at wide receiver on the back end of your roster if you have positions to shuffle. All right, sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. And we will see you guys next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.